The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Have we forgotten how to connect with each other? Do you know how to connect with those around you? And what has changed in your life over the last few years that changes how you connect and how you protect yourself? Here's the reality. One of the, one of the greatest challenges in how we connect is that we live so incredibly guarded and we live guarded because we have to look out for ourselves. Now, please, regardless of your views about the, the um, pandemic and COVID and vaccines and all that, I just want to use it as illustrative of what's going on in our lives. Because think about it. For nearly three years now, we have lived, and again, whether you agree with it or not, you've been told that everyone around you is out to get you. They could kill you. Now, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I realize that some of us have lost loved ones over the past couple of years. Some of you as a direct result of COVID. So I don't want to be insensitive. What I am saying is we were taught and told by people with, you know, greater uh, academics and greater experience than us that anyone and everyone is carrying the disease and they could give it to you and then you could not know you have it and give it to someone else. You could take the life of your own grandparents and not even know it, right? And so now we're supposed to live paranoid protecting ourselves from others, right? Protecting ourselves so that we don't hurt others and then wearing masks and being isolated and being shut down and living separated to guard ourselves from people around us who are out to get us whether they know they're out to get us or not. And we shut down the world to protect ourselves. Again, this is not some statement about masks or anything like that. It's just a reality. What does that do in your psyche? What what does that do in how you see others? I mean, you cannot raise a generation of people, right, for nearly three years where they they have to guard themselves for fear that someone else is going to hurt them. You cannot put an entire world on shutdown and then slowly reopen where some cities were shut down for two years and two and a half years and not expect those kind of behaviors to embed themselves in how we live, in how we relate, in how we think about ourselves and how we view others. Because you know as well as I do, one of the, one of the challenges and even how we relate to each other is, you know, we're, we're becoming great at FaceTime but not real FaceTime, right? We can spend our time scrolling on social media where we are hyper-digitally connected and yet feel deeply disconnected from everyone. We see without truly being seen. We share anything and everything without sharing ourselves, So we live our lives, not just disconnected. No, no, no. It's vastly worse than that. I I, I did a message recently on being disconnected and the power of community and going all in in community. Then I did a message on being selfless in love. And in this sermon series on FaceTime, I want to talk about what it looks like to live out this selfless love in relationships. What does it mean to go all in in love 
in multiple areas of our lives and relationships. So in this, in this message, I just want to talk for you a moment about how when we live guarded from others, how that can infect and affect our relationships. I mean, think about it. You're, you're connecting, you're in a meeting, uh, even family connections uh, through Zoom or through FaceTime, and you're multitasking. You're, you're doing other things while someone's talking to you and they want your attention. I, I know I've done it. I've been on Zoom calls uh, for a meeting or a conversation and I'm literally checking email or I'm paying attention to something else. I'm watching a score over here and some of you are like, wait, that's what you were doing? Not to you, to somebody else. I mean, you can get di- not just disconnected, but you can start to look out for your own needs or your own interests when you should be in relationship. And so what does that do to us? How does that affect how we live guarded and posturing? Because here's what it can begin to do. We begin to not even notice the hurt, the pain of others. I, I recently was on, on a flight and the, the, uh, you know, the flight uh, attendant, one of the flight attendants was uh, there and uh, came up to where I was seated and is just standing there. And I think he's just staring at me because he's got a mask on. So I can't hear. And I, had, and I had an earbud in, so I couldn't hear anything. And he's just standing there staring at me for like an awkward amount of time. So finally, I took my earbud out and I was going to ask him, like, can I help you? And as soon as I took my earbud out, he goes, can I get you something? And I was like embarrassed. I said, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were talking. I couldn't tell that he was talking to me. And so not, not just that it leads to a disconnect, right? But I, I couldn't even allow him to meet my needs because I was listening to something else and he was masked. And I certainly, you know, now if you reverse that, I'm trying to meet someone else's needs. Do I even notice their needs? Do we notice each other's needs? Or are we living in a world where we are indifferent to the needs of those around us? And if we are indifferent, then their needs become invisible. Now, before you think that I'm just preaching at you, I want you to know that Jesus dealt with this issue with his own disciples. And what I'm really focusing on is this idea of posturing and guarding our hearts from connecting deeply with others. So where are you most guarded? Where you don't let others in, You don't let others close. And because you're guarded, you're not meeting others' needs. In fact, you're not even noticing others' needs. You guys are familiar with, many of you are familiar with the story if you've been around Lifehouse for a little while, but Jesus was uh, on his way. He was leading his closest friends and followers, the disciples, to an upper room where they were gonna take the Last Supper, this communion meal together. And on the way, uh, the story goes that uh, they were, the disciples were arguing amongst themselves who was the greatest. And when they get to the, when they get to the upper room, it, John chapter 13, he captures this moment where it reads this way. John chapter 13, starting in verse three. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. And it's important that John pauses and he says, I want you to know that What Jesus is about to do, he does fully aware that he is God. He came from the Father God and is on his way back to heaven very soon. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, 
And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. What's going on here? Well, on the way, they're arguing about who is the greatest among them. When they get to the, when they get to the house where they're gonna take the um, communion meal, they, they all walk in. And when they walk in, there would be a, a water basin by the door and a towel. And it's there for this express purpose of foot washing. And the idea would be this, that as you're walking down the roads where there's animals and foot traffic and animals do their business on these dirt roads and, and cobblestone roads, that eventually the yuck of the world around you is to get on your feet. And so it was customary and every time you entered a home that there was a servant or slave or the youngest child, whoever was lowest on the totem pole, would sit at a stool and wash the feet of every person who came through the door. No one did this. As they came in, no one thought that they were the least. And so they thought, well, you know, I'm just gonna go sit down and I'm sure somebody else will wash my feet. And as a result, the needs went unmet because they were indifferent to each other and they saw, they saw the other's foot washing. In fact, they didn't see it, right? It was invisible to them. So because they were indifferent, the need was invisible. They postured and they didn't serve. And the key here is that Jesus takes on the role of a servant, the role of the least in order to wash the disciples' feet. And this changes how we connect with others, changes how we relate to others in a post-pandemic world where we're so used to being guarded. We're so used to posturing. We, we're looking out for our needs. And, and as a result, the needs of others is invisible because it's behind closed doors, because it's behind the screen of a computer, because it's through the phone, because they're masked and we're guarded and we don't even see their tears or their pain. So it's invisible and we can become indifferent. So what does Jesus do? It's this challenge that I want to give you to change how you see others. By putting others first, it means you got to be second. Putting others first means you got to be second. Jesus had to be willing to become second in that place. He was, obviously he's God. He was on his way back to heaven. And it says, because he recognized fully who he was, he was willing to take on the role of the servant and wash the disciples' feet. And so he takes, he takes off the robe of leadership and puts on the towel of a servant and begins to wash the feet of others. And that sounds right, doesn't it? Putting others first means I've got to be second. So why do we struggle with this so much? Why, why, why are we so guarded? Why are we posturing? Well, I think posturing and pride go hand in hand, right? And so what are the symptoms of pride? Because every symptom comes from a sickness. So the, sick, the symptom of being guarded, the symptom of uh, being indifferent, the symptom of the needs of others being invisible comes from the sickness of pride and posturing, which looks like what? Well, we're entitled. We believe that we deserve to be served rather than to serve. We, we're not just entitled, but we can expect others to serve us. We're quick to find fault when we're driven by pride and posturing. We can be short-tempered, self-absorbed, 
self-medicating. And then a final one is um, people who are driven by pride and posturing, they don't submit to those in authority over them. Now, maybe, maybe as I was going through that list, you're like, well, all of those don't um, fit where I'm at, but do some of them. Which of those jump out the most to you? And maybe that reveals an area in your life where there's pride and posturing. And as a result of pride and posturing, we live guarded, putting ourselves first above others, meeting our needs far before we look for and even notice the needs of others. And so what do we do? Well, Jesus didn't just wash their feet. Jesus took it many steps further. After Jesus washed their feet, it says this, and this is recorded in a parallel passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 19. So after he washes their feet, after the meal, it says, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup, this cup, is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. That's Jesus saying. He was willing to take off the robe of leadership and put on the towel of a servant and wash their feet, cleansing their feet of the yuck of the world, of the messiness of the road that got him there. And then he foretold how he would give his body and spill his blood to wash us of the messiness of the world and the way that got us here, right? Jesus, this is my body broken for you. This is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. What, what is a covenant? A covenant is a never-ending relationship. So Jesus was foretelling that he was gonna give his life as the payment for our sin. Pride is not the root. It's a sickness that produces the symptoms I shared, but at the deeper part, that sickness comes from a spiritual sickness of sin. Sin that separates us from a forever relationship with God. Sin that metastasizes into pride and posturing. Sin that leads to us guarding ourselves and keeping others at a distance. Sin that causes us to be indifferent to others and others to be indifferent to us. Sin that has caused havoc in the world around us. That's right. Everything that's broken in our world, where we would say this is not the way it's meant to be, is rooted in sin. And Jesus came and said, I'm giving my life as the payment for sin because the end result of sin is that it leads to a forever far from God. And so in judgment, right? And so Jesus came and he says, my body broken for you. As Jesus died on the cross, his body broken, his blood spilled, to restore us to a forever relationship with God. So when you, when you and I believe in Jesus by faith, we're forgiven and Jesus rose from the dead and he gives us new and forever life. I want you to know that when you believe in Jesus by faith, um, it's as if he is taking the towel and, and washing your spirit washing your soul from the filth of the world that has attached itself to you, from sins that have long uh, defined you. And before you can look out for the needs of others, before you can overcome the, the sickness of pride and posturing where we guard ourselves and keep others at a distance, we have to begin with the relationship with Jesus. Can I encourage you? 
Would you pause right now and look, not just looking inward, but looking at your own spiritual life and saying, am I in right relationship with God? Am I, am I in right relationship with Jesus? Do I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior? And if right now you are ready to make that commitment, would you let someone know? Would you let us know? You can scan the QR code that's up on the screen. And when you scan it, would you fill out the form and let us know so that one of our pastors can follow up with you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. Why? Because it all begins when you recognize that Jesus washed us. He cleansed our hearts. He didn't just wash feet. He washed our hearts. We believe in Jesus by faith and the work that he did on the cross and the power of his resurrection. He washes us and he cleanses us and he forgives us and you can receive that today. And for any of you who have received it, you're fully aware that Jesus has washed your feet. He took on the posture of a servant. Worse, he took on the posture of our sacrifice and died in our place to give us forgiveness and new and forever life. Now, when you and I believe in Jesus by faith, please hear me, because this changes everything. If Jesus died on the cross and gave his life to give us life. And if he, if he was willing to wash the feet of the disciples, then I have a feeling there is a lesson in there for us in how we relate to each other. And so the next few minutes, I just wanna walk you through some key points and principles that I wanna make sure you don't miss. But in order for you to apply this to others, there is a central concept that will keep you anchored in focusing on others. And it's this, in order to be second, in order to put yourself second, which means you're putting others first, you have to put Jesus in his rightful place. As I was reading the opening part of that, right, it says Jesus, knowing that he came from the Father, he was going back to the Father soon, he took off his robe, he put on the towel and began to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus knew his rightful place. And because he knew that he was from heaven, that he is God, and he was going back to heaven, then he was willing and able to serve others. When Jesus is in his rightful place in your heart, meaning you understand who God is, and you understand how he sees you, then you can begin to serve others. You can put down your guard. Why? Think about it. You are loved by the God of the universe. God himself was willing to displace himself from his throne in heaven in order to serve you. You are loved, you are precious, you are valued by God. You are valuable in the eyes of eternity. You are valuable in heaven. The almighty God sees you as worth rescuing. Now, when you begin to recognize your value to God, you don't have to prove it to anybody else. You don't have to prove how important you are. You don't have to try to posture to make yourself known. No, now you can begin to serve others, right? But the only way this happens is when Jesus has his rightful place in your life. Now, you might be thinking, and I'm saying, uh, if, you're, if, you're putting, if you're making yourself second, then you gotta make Jesus first. Not at all. No, it's good. one of the things I'm gonna say is that others are first, So where is Jesus? Jesus is not first place in your life. He is at the center of your life. The rightful place of Jesus in our lives is at the center. He is our everything. He is how I 
see myself. My identity is found in Jesus. My self-worth is found in Jesus. My purpose is found in Jesus. And so when I begin to recognize Jesus in his rightful place at the center of my life, then I can ask, is Jesus at the center of my marriage? Is Jesus' love at the center of my parenting? Is Jesus at the center of my friendships? Is Jesus at the center in how I serve or give or love? Is Jesus at the center of my workplace? Is Jesus at the center of our church? Because when Jesus is in his rightful place at the center, then I don't need to posture because I know who I am in Jesus. When Jesus is at the center, he centers me away from pride. And selfishness, because I don't need to serve myself. I don't need to look out for myself. I recognize that God already looked out for me. He cares for me. He knows me. He loves me. He values me. And now my sight shifts from trying to prove to others that I am worth loving, from trying to posture in order to make myself feel important or look important to others, because I need to be recognized now because Jesus is in his rightful place in my life. My life is centered on Jesus. I can lay ego and pride and posturing aside. And I can begin to be second. Now let's jump back into the story. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 12 and verse 14. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He begins to speak to them and he says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Now, I was trying to think about kind of a modern context because, you know, we don't do foot washing and quite frankly, I've been in environments where they wash each other, people's feet and, you know, I think there could be a, a powerful message in it, but to be honest, it's not a part of our daily custom. I mean, in this context, remember, they're walking, wearing sandals, and filth, I mean, nasty filth gets on their feet. So every home you went into, someone was gonna wash your feet or you were washing someone's feet. At some point or another, most people, when they were younger, had to wash someone else's feet. It was a normal part of culture. So Jesus is taking one of the most normal parts of culture, a daily activities, and integrating it by saying, you all see me as the greatest, I'm willing to become the least. I'm first, I'm willing to become last. I'm your master, I'm willing to be your servant. And so he's, he's turning things upside down. And that's the message of the gospel. When Jesus is in his rightful place in your life and your life is centered on Jesus, he is saying, now this is what I did for you. I want you to do it for others. So what is, what is that? You, you know, I would parallel it to like picking up trash. You know, you're walking into your workplace and there's trash on the floor. Oh, that, that's for someone who cleans up the trash? I mean, what's their posture? What's their position in the workplace? M many workplaces, you know, they look down on those people. I'm not saying they insult them, but, you know, certainly they're not the highest on the totem pole. So the question would be, am I willing to stoop to pick up the trash? Whether anybody sees me or not. Am I willing to pick up the trash in my workplace, in my home, for my family? Am I willing to pick up the trash in that friendship? Am I willing to pick up nasty trash in the classroom? 
in our community. Because that's the posture of Jesus, cleaning the trash out of the toes. And he says, let me, let me read it to you again. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Do you think Jesus is trying to make it normative or mean a normal activity within the church that we wash each other's feet? No, that's not the point. The point was it was normal to go into a home and have someone wash your feet. He goes, but I'm your master and teacher have washed your feet. You should be washing each other's feet. Meaning you shouldn't be consumed with putting yourself first. You shouldn't be consumed with walking in the room and expecting others to do for you. You shouldn't be living guarded and posturing, trying to prove that you're worthy and you're good enough. I say you're worthy. Jesus, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of expand on it. Jesus is going, look, I'm your God. I'm your master. I'm the Lord. I'm first above all. And I was willing to become last and a servant to wash your feet. That's how precious you are to me. Now stop trying to prove yourself. Stop trying to convince people that you're important. You're important enough to me that I was willing to serve you. I put you above me. Now, do you feel good enough? Is there enough self-worth in you that you don't just spend the rest of your life trying to prove to others how worthy you are? Do, do you feel loved enough that you don't have to go looking around trying to prove that you're worthy of love? Okay, now. Being second puts the focus on others first. That's the key. He goes, look, you can be second and put your focus on others first. This changes relationships because suddenly you can slow down long enough to listen, to understand what someone else is saying. What would it look like in your relationships for you to put others first and put yourself, your needs, your ego, your desires, even your voice, second. You would probably listen longer and take the time to deeply understand. You would look for the needs of others. You might be willing to do the dishes. What would it look like in your relationships to pick up the trash? The stuff that has accumulated through life and others carelessly threw it down and didn't pick it up? What would it look like for you in your marriage to pause and you pick up the trash? You know what it might sound like? Sweetheart, I'm sorry. Rather than holding your ground and expecting someone else to say they're sorry first. I know this, Jesus, when he takes on the, the role of the servant, he is, both, he is now both the host and the servant. He expresses hospitality. Being second is being hospitable. Meaning, when you think about being the host, if, if you've got family over for the holidays or you're having a party and you're hosting, I want you to think about being second like being a host. You prepare the food. You prepare the space. You clean up the space probably, right? You want it to look nice. You eat last because you want to make sure that there's enough food for others. It, when you think about being hospitable, it's not a burden to be second. So choose in your relationships to take on the role of a host. Second. Saying, I'm here to serve. I I'm willing to prepare the meal. I'm willing to clean up around here. I'm willing to eat last because I want to make sure all of my guests, all those that I'm here to serve, eat first. I'm willing to eat less to make sure there's enough for others, right? That's what it means to take on the role of a second, 
to be second. Jesus said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. You know, you know the last most powerful thing about um, putting others first is? It shows off Jesus. Putting others first means making Jesus known. You're making much of Jesus. Why? Because this is something no one around you can mimic. I mean, the world around us is incapable of true and authentic humility because even when they're serving, they're posturing. Their, their humility is false pride. Oh, I'm nothing. Oh, I'm a nobody. Oh, I don't really know. Meanwhile, yes, you do. Oh, I'm so ugly. And all you want to hear is, no, you're beautiful, right? It's false pride. But we're not, this is not an expression of false pride. Jesus was not living in false pride. He was truly humble. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going. And he took off the robe and he put on the, he took on the role of a servant, put the towel around himself and washed feet. And when we do, when we begin to serve, when we stop posturing, and take on the role of humility because Jesus is in his rightful place in our heart. Then we're not trying to make ourselves known. We're making Jesus known because we have something no one else in the world around us has. We have the capacity to live selflessly because we're willing to be second to help others be first in our lives. Right, we're putting others first. We care for others. We're looking out for others. We're paying attention to the needs of others. We're, we're listening for their hurts, their cries, and giving them the attention they need. Can, can, I, can you hear me? As you begin to live out the life of Jesus, and as we get further and further removed from the tragedies and the crisis and the shutdowns of the pandemic, let us not go back to what we were before, but let us take on a new way of connecting with each other where we are putting Jesus in his rightful place at the center of our lives, where we put ourselves second, not in false humility or in groveling, but truly making ourselves second so that we can put others first. This could radically change your life. It could change your relationships. It could heal your home. It could restore a marriage. It could transform a friendship. Can I encourage you? Would you take a few moments? I, I want to I pray with you. But more than that, I hope that you would still your heart and allow God's spirit to speak to you. Would you do that right now in this moment as I pray? And then as we go into this song, would you just still your heart and prepare your spirit, allow God's spirit to speak to you about the areas of your heart that you need to put down your guard, stop posturing, and start serving. We have a prayer team available, individuals who would love to pray with you. Would you, if something struck your heart as I was speaking, you need someone to pray with you. We have a prayer team that would love to serve you. We, we believe in miracles in this place. We believe that God can change lives. We believe that God can do the impossible in your life. Feel free to ask someone to pray with you. Our prayer team would love to pray with you. Now, let me take a moment and pray over us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your broken body and your spilled blood that you gave your life to give us life. And your death cleansed us of sin and unrighteousness and Jesus, you gave us an example of washing the feet of the disciples and challenged them and us to become a servant 
rather than posturing and pride driving our life, God, you modeled humility and servanthood and hospitality. So God, open our eyes to see in our hearts the areas where we are driven by pride and posturing, where we are, we are driving so hard to put ourselves first that we don't see others. We're, we're living so guarded that we don't notice the needs of others. Help us to take a big breath, put down our guard, and care for others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.